we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 54 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, but they're better known by all of us by now. Come on, it's DCU. Take advantage of historically low mortgage rates with DCU. Right now, through the end of June, DCU will cover up to $3,000 in closing costs when you refinance your mortgage. Learn more at dcu.org slash mortgage. DCU is an equal housing lender insured by the NCUA, NMLS number 466914. Membership required. So remember, refinance your mortgage with DCU, dcu.org slash mortgage. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Jumptown Skydiving. They are America's oldest skydiving drop zone, and they're conveniently located right off of Route 2 in Orange Mass. Really easy to get to from everywhere. They're open seven days a week. So if you work in the service industry, it's really hard to take weekends off because that's when you earn your money. But wouldn't it be nice to get a bunch of people from work to go and blow off some steam and jump out of a plane? Well, that's why Jumptown offers service industry discounts, $185 tandems on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And if you're the ringleader that organizes the trip for everybody, for every person you bring, you get 10 bucks off your jump. Bring 10 people and you skydive for free. Just imagine two and a half miles up in the air at 120 miles an hour and you're getting out of that plane. For more details, log on to JumpTown.com or call for your reservation at 978-544-5321. Tell them Mistress Carrie told you to call. Okay, this episode of the podcast I'm super excited about. I have known Elias Soriano from Nonpoint for decades. And when I found out that he started his own record label and that Nonpoint was a completely independent band and doing everything on their own through COVID... I couldn't wait to talk to him. We had such an interesting conversation about the way the industry works and how we've both been able to rebuild everything in this new technology. Plus, we talked about some fun old times, too. We talked about the rock community and finally being able to get back out on the road. And like with every other songwriter I come across, I love to get to understand their process and find out exactly where their songs come from. We had a fantastic conversation, and it was so good to get caught up. And I definitely cannot wait until Nonpoint comes to town so we can hang out for real. I'm really excited about all of the new music they're making, and I'm really excited for you to get to know them. So allow me to introduce you to Elias Soriano from Nonpoint. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, 
Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mistress Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Lee. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dude, how are you? We're good. We're matching purple and... I, I know. I know you're very plaid. I know you moved to Michigan. So it like you swapped your bathing suit stuff for like. I have. Cold it's weather places. Yeah. Yeah. I got to keep it. Uh, you know, we're, we're it's it's Michigan. So there's four different winters. You have first winter, you know, uh, a little bit of spring, second winter, <laughs> um, uh, uh, second spring, third winter. I remember one. Uh, I said it a couple of days ago. It, it snowed on June sixth one year here, which was, which was a bastard. Yeah, it was. The, the, uh, <laughs> Boston's not that far behind. And I remember in the early days of Nonpoint, you guys coming up to Boston, and when you came through in the winter, you guys were just like, "Oh my God, this! How do you guys deal with this?" And now you deal with it. Yeah, I. I I am a tropical people, so I, <laughs> I don't fare well. My skin definitely like, uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up in South Florida, so I never did lotion. I never had to worry about lotion. You basically walk around swimming in air because it's so humid down there. Um, so I was very naturally moisturized all the time. Not in the Midwest. In the Midwest, it, it sucks every bit of fluid from your body from every pore that it possibly can at all times. In winter, you can take your fingernail and just like write your name on your own skin because it's just falling off of you. Yeah, they're like, hey, nice tube socks. Oh, no, oh, my bad, that's ash. That's ashy. <laughs> wow, dude, you got to wear Jergens, man, Jergens. <laughs> a little lotion. You got to lube it up a little bit. Yes, yes. It is so good to see you. I... Try to remember how long we've actually known each other and when we met. And I had a really hard time trying to figure it out because I feel like I've known you for my whole radio career. You've known me since 2000 till since 2000. You've known me. Yeah, that's a really long time. Yes, that's when uh, Lisa Mastriani is the person who introduced us. That's right. Who I still keep in touch with, by the way. Yes, she's my favorite person ever behind in, in radio. So it's this is, you know, for the viewers that are don't understand the kind of history that that, uh, you know, me and the mistress here have. We we have uh, we have seen each other in some of our, uh, you know, highlight years of our <laughs> of our entire career um, and and have haven't seen each other in. Close to probably 15 years it's been. It hasn't been that long. It can't be that long. I would say that at least, at least 10. Okay. At least 10. 
but uh, not by any fault of, of either one of us. You know, no, we're, the world we're, just gets crazy. And obviously the last couple of years. Yes. And, and we just live in different places. So, yeah, um, but but our well, uh, not everybody can see us, by the way, like I'm videotaping the interview, but most people are going to be listening to this on the Mistress Carrie podcast. And then um, people will be able to listen to it on my radio show, too, because I'm back on the radio, which we can talk about. So. Yes, yes, yes. So that we, you know, we we had some amazing fun times and 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 an amazing, uh, uh, you know, twenty year history basically. So it's it's great to see your face again. Uh, well, you first, look you look fabulous, oh, darling. Thank you, darling. Uh, our friendship is old enough to drink now this year. So. Yes, yes, we are grown folk now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it's pretty amazing that like you and I kind of came up together. You know, I got on the air full time, my like in 1998 at WAF in Boston, mm-hmm. and now just over the last year to year and a half, you know, obviously WAF went off the air after 50 years, and then mm-hmm. right after, most people blame that on triggering the pandemic and the end of civilization as we know it because it <laughs> happened a couple of weeks later. But over the last 12 months or so, you and I, once again, our careers have kind of synced up again, because one of the things you and I have both done is launch our own business and, and restart our careers as entrepreneurs. Yeah. How was that experience for you? It was, it, it. I, I, I say this to my team when I brought Francesca, our, our creative director on board, I told her, you know, my life has been very interesting. If, if when I one day when I write a book, it's going to be an interesting book. Uh, but the universe has normally put me exactly where I was supposed to be most of my life. And and it it really we were had all these questions about what our next steps were a a year and a half, almost two years before the pandemic, um, when we started noting, noticing a shift in, in the things that we wanted to do on our socials and really wanted to engage with our audience more. Uh, when I met Frankie, um, you know, she she was able to tell our story beautifully on the road and, you know, really, really pushed our camp to, to make it the most important thing on our table, which is tell the non-point story. And we weren't telling it online. And once she really started doing that and we started seeing that engagement starting to come and started really getting our our teeth into it, um, you know, we made some very bold decisions on on the administrative side of our careers after 10 years, 15 years of wondering, you know, as all bands do, can we do this by ourselves? Can we be independent? Is it even possible, you know, you know, managers for years have recommended against it. And, and lots of people have always recommended against it because of what you're up against. And once you really finally see all the budgets and everything, but um, at, the pandemic gave us no choice. It really didn't. And that's when we knew, you know, what can we do? This is a, we, we are home. So there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse to not get to work. So we got right the fuck to work. Like basically, we jumped right in, and uh, I, 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 I'm really, I really feel really blessed, man. 
I, I really do. I can't, I can't feel um, more, more lucky. And, and uh, uh, I feel good that the hard work's paid off. It is a weird thing because I did it too, to be locked down the way that everyone was and to be like, I'm going to register a business and I'm going to start designing (laughs) logos and build a website and I'm going to go into business by myself while I put on the TV and watch the Are my cards here yet? Yeah. Are my cards here? While I'm watching in real time the U.S. economy economy burn, I'm going to go into business for myself. That sounds like a really good idea. For me, it was really scary. You can... you depend on yourself. That's right. When, when times are tough, you you and you know to look inward now. And it's it, the pandemic really tested us all. I'm 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 really proud of a lot of us. A lot of us really, you know, got the reins and really went into it. So um, I'm I'm happy to see you doing well, and I'm happy to hear you back. You know, behind the mic, you're you are one of my favorite visits for Aww. years. You know, we 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 sent you wine and 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 you know flowers on your birthday because we just loved there was I always said there was that that handful of interviews that we always loved you know the the lose the 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 LA reads the you know uh, you and we making those rounds was always really made it feel like it was it was um it was real and worth it because you guys really cared about what you were asking us and remember those relationships and, and, and it, it really matters to us. Well, really one of the things that I've realized, um, having worked at the same radio station for 29 years, I mean, this July 1st would have been my 30th anniversary at AAF had the station huh. stayed on the air and, you know, show business, right? It's business. And then there's also the show aspect of it. And when the station went off the air and then the world exploded and I said, okay, I'm going to start my business. I want to launch a podcast. I built a studio. So welcome to MCHQ. Love it. um, Started to do all of this stuff. I was very unsure when I started to make phone calls. Mm -hmm. If people would pick up the phone no kidding because I didn't have those call letters in that radio station after my name like for the longest time it was Mistress Carrie from WAF like that was my name yeah and when the from WAF is gone you start to wonder is are people still going to answer the phone and what I've realized yourself included is that people do and it made me feel really good that the career that I've made for myself in show business wasn't always a show and wasn't always all business, that there was real stuff there, real relationships there. That's, that's why you survived. That is exactly why you survived because it was, it was the relationships that you built. That's what we realized. It's that we were so scared that radio wouldn't play us because we didn't have a major label behind us. We need, how, how are we going to build a radio team? We didn't even know who to call. We leaned on our manager and uh, uh, luckily we have somebody who does radio in our, in, in our management staff that was able to do it. Bob Hathaway is like one of the, you know, big names that work stuff at radio. We, we got lucky, but when it's, it's really when he goes around to, you know, play the song for people and they go, 
oh, we love this song. We want these guys to win. So yeah, let's, let's, let's get on this. It's even, even not having a label, it's still, it was so welcomed. And it was because, hey, these guys got independent. No, nah, man, we're going to help these guys out. And we, we feel it. We definitely feel the difference in, in the back end that people really don't see of the industry actually championing the band. And, and, it, uh, it's, and we know it's because they know that we're at least decent people. And we try to keep those relationships. And you, you have to know that that's, that's why you did so well and people do answer the phone is because you're decent fucking people and you keep those relationships. So, you know, kudos to you. Don't you think that uh, both of us in our careers that we're so lucky that we came up in the era that we did like that kind of pre-internet, like the music industry and the, and the technology and the business and all of it has changed so much. Can you imagine trying to break in as a brand new band doing what you're yeah. doing today and how hard because there's too much traffic. You're, you're, you, you were able to be authentic because you got to be face to face enough. And, and uh, well, and, and when you were face to face, it, it happened so few and far in between, you had to make use of it. And now it's just like getting an email or getting a comment or getting a DM. It's cute and it's fun, but it's lost in all the traffic. I miss half of it. And we got an opportunity to understand the value of that uh, before all of that traffic came. And, you know, and it, and it was on us, not just our pictures and our videos. It was actually on us that those relationships and that that momentum came. Isn't it crazy when you think about how much the technology, the Internet, the, the way that touring functions, all of it has changed in the span of both of our careers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's shocking when you're talking about, you know, Frankie on your team and the social media stuff and telling non-point story and the engagement with the fans. Literally none of this technology existed when the Yeah, do you came know out. how hard it was to fucking convince Oh, do, I keep cursing. Was that no. right? Fuck. Swear oh, okay, as good, much good, as good. you want. I don't I don't I don't want to get in trouble. Nah, you're uh, fine. So, so do you know how hard it was to convince everyone on the team that I wanted to bring out a photographer when I barely had enough budget and room in the bus for crew, actual working, what I considered working crew, then just having Frankie on a tour for one tour. It's, it's, if, if I can have, the only reason she isn't over here is because the border's closed. And she's in Canada and she's locked in Canada. If not, she would be here every single day living at one of our houses to document all this, because that's how important it is to us now, because of what you said, what it's what it's evolved into. And one of the reasons that we kind of survive a lot of those transitions from formats or promotion and marketing and rebranding and all this other stuff is because uh, we're able to, to, to see that foresight and, and, and pivot and put the money where it matters. And we knew that at that, at that time, it was, it was making us look as beautiful as Frankie was making us look on, on tour everywhere else. 
And then, so we got her involved in our merchandise. We got her involved in our video. We got her involved in our, and now she's creative director of our label, you know, and it's, there's a reason because her, her mind has everything top of mind across everything creative. And it matters everywhere. Promotion, video, music, album covers, merchandise. It, it, it feels that way because the team works like Spartans. We line up in a fucking line and we move together or we don't move. Well, you and Rob have been partners in crime from the jump. I mean, yeah. you know, you've, you've done both. You've been married and you've been in the band. Yeah. What relationship is harder um, to maintain I, and keep together? Uh, I think I think the band it's Honestly, literally because, not one person I've ever asked that question of has said the marriage. Ne- never what they always say the band always be- because because it it doesn't just rest on one family. My decisions don't affect just one family. My decisions affect the five families of the band members, the families of management, the families of my agents, the families of you. Every my little move affects you know, people that got through cancer because of Alive and Kicking. And now the band breaks up and they're like, damn, dude. And then all of a sudden they get, it comes back. And now they're like, oh, no, I don't. It's like, I, I, I go to sleep worried about that shit. Not so much worried about it, but at least, you know, it's, it's in my heart to consider when I'm making those decisions, as opposed to with my family, it's like a couple things that I only have to consider. When, um, when you were riding out the lockdown, it's been really interesting talking to bands that international borders and travel affected. Like you talk about Frankie, you know, Evanescence, Pop Evil, the bands I've talked to that have been separated because they had a band member that normally a work visa, a tour, like not a big deal. And then all of a sudden your mechanism doesn't function normally. You know, how was the whole lockdown thing for you were you in michigan with the fam is that where you wrote it out i i i I was in michigan but let me tell you something that is an amazing question because that was our biggest hurdle because the only we knew the only way that this worked was sticking to the plan and the plan had frankie's hands creatively in it so deep and it worked so well in the beginning that the last thing we wanted to do was to launch the record without Frankie. That it wasn't, it wasn't something that we were even considering. So um, during the pandemic, we did a little bit of testing with um, the statement video thing that we did. We did a statement from beginning to end our first record. Um, And we did it live just to basically see what the streaming capacity and what if if we could do something remotely where she could direct and that was people don't even know that that's that's basically what that was all really all about (laughs) and and we just put a price tag on it and just said hey let's hope that it works and it works so well and people responded so well to the statement thing that we realized okay we can we figured it out how to do it remotely that's that was it. And that's then, what every then, business had to do. Literally yes, every business. You're absolutely right. But um, photo shoot when she's the photographer, 
little different. <laughs> uh, videographer and and when she's normally got her hands on the camera and she has to do that remotely. So what we did is we got um, our friend Peterson in uh, who who is a fan of the band, but also worked on uh, a couple other nonpoint videos doing lights and helping with that. So we got someone that was close and that cared about the brand like the rest of us. And um, we started building a, a creative team and, and a production team and got it done, man. Yeah, got to get it fucking done. I talked to a lot of bands that have done the, the streams, right? And you're, you're, uh, you're, you know, you're playing, you're putting everything you got into a show and then the song ends and you get fucking nothing. See, if you saw our stream, we considered that. And what happened with ours, if you notice what our stream was, um, we performed live. uh, But what we did is we bookend the songs together. And then every like third, we had a story behind the scenes thing uh, that we had cut, asking a little Q&A as we were making the whole statement uh, thing and 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 doing the the, no but i mean uh, when you're actually filming it right you're just used to this wall of noise from a live crowd so the reason why i brought it up is Mm -hmm. that that is as close to you will ever understand what it's like to be a radio dj (laughs) yeah 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 because because we're in there in that room is quiet and we're by ourselves and we're this and we're that and you're a a joke of this or that and you get you have no- to pretend the laughter's there. You get nothing. Oh my god, I didn't even think about you that. You get nothing back. I mean, now we have text lines and there's a lot of way, you know, tweets and stuff where you can get, you know, the request line's always there, but that immediate what you're Reaction. used to, th- yeah. there's never anything. I was talking to Morgan from Seven Dust and I said this, I said that to him, and he was like, Man, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not it's just weird. Fun. So now you know what it's like to be in radio, especially dropping a joke and getting nothing. Getting. Oh, my God. You are you. Get nothing. That's like that's like being a comedian and bombing every day. <laughs> that's horrible. I mean, you, you know, did that for 30 years. You did that for 30. Oh, and you're starting it again, girl. What are you doing? Well, I was on the air for 22 at AF. I was in the building for 29, but 22 actually on the air. Wow. And then last year, um, you know, once the, you know, when AAF went off the air, I was off the air for a while. And now just in the last couple of months, um, I'm back on the air. And what's weird is that I'm on a station where people know who I am because they could listen to my former station. And, yes. and I'm also on the radio in places where they're like, who the fuck is this purple haired broad? I've never <laughs> heard of her before. And it's been really sure. weird having to win over new audience in a place or, you know, that just has no idea, like what the hell is going on. You were both doing the same thing. I know. That's why I was so one. excited to talk to you. We both started at square one again, and yeah. and it and and it made us hungry. It made yeah. us hungry. Your studio looks fucking great. Thank you look you. great. Everything's great. Yeah, but it's, it's awesome. weird, right? Yeah, a nice little ego check, and then every yeah. once in a while, when you pull off something good, you get that little boost. Like I might actually know what the fuck I'm doing. 
Yeah. It's usually followed by you screwing something up, but at least every once in a while you get this glimmer like, wait, I, I might actually pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. Today was, you know, I was, I was very nervous with the video today. Um, it was my concept. Uh, I, I, I did, um, you know, Frankie tapped me to actually do uh, a shot list. So it was really intricate. There was almost 149 shots that that uh, we had drafted out, and um, she dove in and 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 you know just uh, uh, took it to the next level. But I was nervous that doing it all ourselves, doing it remotely, and um, you know doing it independently, that that what people were going to think of the video. And we love it, but you know how many times do you love a song and people are like, yeah, it's cool. You're like, oh, it's not the reaction I wanted. But, you know, I, I, I this one, I'm 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 blown away by the initial reaction. People I haven't seen one bad comment yet on the video. So uh, you you getting that affirmation that you can do it. Um, it's 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 been uh, like you said, we, we we're really lucky. We're really lucky. I talked to Chris Daughtry recently who has ridden this crazy roller coaster of a career and he's an independent artist now. And he was actually talking about that, that this is the first time the videos, the music, that it's all his vision, that it actually is coming there. It's not going through the filter of a label that thinks, well, you got to do this song because you got to get played on this station or this format and how empowering it is, but that it's still kind of scary because like you said, if it all comes from you and it fails, you can't blame anybody and, else. Yep. Yep. And that's that's uh that's something that brings the anxiety and the nerves uh slightly. Uh but only in the sense of uh, I, I really feel the excitement as of late because we do so much hard work and strategy on the front end um that we expect these kind of reactions. Um and then when it surpasses our expectations that's when we know that that uh we're doing something right and and we try to remember that and, and model it and, and and hit the reset button on on that and do a little bit of rinse and repeat <laughs> not only have you you know managed to keep the the bands moving forward and all of that but you also were being faced with being a husband and a dad <laughs> locked down yeah. And I've been joking. And a that, teacher. And a, and teacher, a teacher now, right. Teacher. And I've been joking through the whole thing that anyone that's married and locked down, if they can come out of that married still, that your marriage is rock solid, <laughs> or you're calling the divorce attorney as soon as you can leave the house. It, it, it was, uh, it was, you know what, um, because I tour so much, it, it, it definitely, uh, it, it was welcomed, you know, in the beginning, definitely. But, you know, there were those times you, you definitely get on, uh, 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 you get into each other's space. Uh, we moved, We what we did learn in the pandemic is that we needed a bigger place. So we got a bigger place. <laughs> we're going to need uh, a bigger boat. Spread our, spread the wings a little bit. And uh, uh, that that definitely has, has, has made for a, a better back end of the pandemic. How was it being a dad through that and trying to, 
you know, you're riding through something that's never happened in our lifetime. And you're, isn't it funny? Like when we were growing up, we, it was like, oh, our parents, they're old, so they must know everything. Then you get to that age and you get to, and you're like, they didn't fucking know anything. And now you're trying to pass on and keep a child like calm and explain what's going on. And you have no idea because you have no experience in this because none of us do. It was sad. It was really sad. It was sad to to try to convince my daughter that everything was cool. And while she's watching the world literally spiral and go, what the fuck? I'm nine years old. Why the hell? Now I can't, I can't talk and touch to touch a kid for a year. Like every time I get close, I'm like, I don't know. You get close. And so it's as a dad, it was, it was probably, I I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do that. I really don't want yeah. to do it again. I, I, her heart for her little heart. You know, it's I, 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 I worry about emotionally what it will do to her as a, as a young adult and what kind of decisions it's going to cause her to make. Um, you know, I want her to be the lioness that I know that she is. And, and I, I try to, you know, push that. So, you know, let her know that she is that, you know, uh, empowered being uh but it's it's hard to to have that kind of rhetoric when it's 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 everyone's on safety alert really uh, with everything everything don't touch that oh my god don't touch your face yet it's like you just touched the door it's like doors are dangerous now but when i was six they weren't dangerous i know now all of a sudden yeah. Everything's dangerous. Everything's fucking dangerous. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, so we don't watch the news during dinner anymore. That's, that's what we're doing. We're changing our habits to kind of bring things back to a normal, um, thing. We're, uh, uh, you know, a normal environment. We need that for it right now. I noticed some things, you know, one of the, one of the amazing things about this podcast is that I can have these long personal conversations. Whereas, you know, when a band comes into town and they pop in the studio, you guys have got to get back for sound check and meet and greets, or you can call, but then I got to get into a song or I got to play commercials. And so the podcast has really allowed me this amazing gift to be able to have a lot of the conversations. You and I would be having this conversation backstage at a show anyway, but it allows me like just hanging out having a beer after the show or whatever. But now I can have it on the podcast. And one of the things, one of the trends that I'm noticing is that Rockstar Revenge is a real thing. That rock stars, more often than not, the it it's it it's not scientific what I'm doing, but God, there are so few exceptions. That rock stars are just bound to have daughters when they have kids. It, yeah. It's a real thing, man. And now more than ever, the girl dad concept is so top of mind. You know, especially with something like Kobe Bryant, and there are just all these examples. And especially, as your feet run above me, yeah. <laughs> and especially the way that the world is now. Do you look at the world any differently now that you are a girl dad? Like, what lesson have you learned because you're a girl dad now? Well, it's polarized. It's completely different. It's absolutely different. You, you, you know, uh, on on both ends. It's it's made me a better person, honestly, and it's it's given me a purpose that um, that I didn't know was even possible. Uh, but I I'm, I 
I'm a very, I feel like I'm a very responsible human being. And I, I, I really want to make sure that um, a lot of the things that we read happen, that happens to children when they're, when they're kids, that uh, translates into adulthood, into certain kind of personalities. Um, you know, I see it all the time and I read it all the time online about things that I realized, oh man, I am that because of that. I was this kind of child and I was put through this kind of what would be considered trauma. I mean, it's all kids go through the shit, bullied and, uh, you know, tough parents, strict parents, that kind of stuff. But it turns you into, um, you know, in my case, it turned me into a bit of a, pe a people pleaser. Same thing goes with, uh, you know, the, the transition into the comment section of, of that side of my life in my, in my livelihood to know I, I was, all, my life was already based on opinion, whether or not I live or die. It's a popularity it, contest. The entertainment it, industry me, is a popularity contest. Me too. Right. It was initially, but then to add comment sections to, to kind of put it into that repeat mode for people, um, it, 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 it started to cut a little bit deeper. So I worry about those things with my daughter and I worry about those things uh, uh, in that sense of what it, it, it will do to her. Um, I stay out of the comment section. <laughs> as smart. As, yeah, as much as possible, just because uh, I'm emotionally attached to the art and um, we, I know what kind of work we do on the back end. So um, I, I kind of let people have their opinions about it. And, and I try to kind of live in a positive space. I've learned something. And there's always a point in the podcast where I apologize to the people that listen to every episode because things recycle, you know, and come back in different episodes and conversations. And I hate to be repetitive, but it, it just is what it is. I've learned something over the last few years, especially with the loss of Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington. And what I realized is no one could say they didn't know that those guys were struggling because everything that they were feeling was in all of their music, right? Mm -hmm. It's in all the lyrics. It's, it's in everything. And they made their pain our entertainment. They made it a commodity that we could buy and then internalize and personalize in a way where we could understand what they were going through. Or we took their words and fit it into whatever trauma and pain we were kind of living through. As someone that is not able to write songs, pour that part of my emotions into an art that, that is a tangible thing, I just don't have the ability. I wish I did, I just don't. But I can recognize it and appreciate it in other people. That's got to be very hard to put everything that you are feeling into something and then have that jag off in the comment section. Talk shit about literally your soul that you have put into this art that has now become a commodity for consumption. Yeah, it, it, it's not, it's definitely not easy. It's, it's, it's but not, not by any means easy. Um, but, you know, I, it is my job and I, I'm going to have to expect this, this situation that not everyone is going to love what I do. Um, 
it, it's, you know, it's to the point now where you, you have to realize that a lot of it is people having a bad day. They're in a shitty mood and they just found a reason and be like, ah, I'm going to talk shit. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to take it out on that. Click, 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 click right. on the keyboard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 uh, they very rarely have the, the courage to do it, um, you know, face to face. And it's, and, you know, it, it's funny, Gary V said it. It's like some of those people, I feel like I, I want to go, Hey man, are you all right? Is everything okay? Cause you know, I, it's a, that's a, that's a really harsh opinion. And, and I want to make sure that you're, you're good because people with those kind of deep opinions on, on, on people that they don't directly deal with on a daily basis, you know, that's something that, you know, you don't put in a comment section, you call somebody and talk about sometimes. And some of their comments are, are you, you can tell they're just there to, to, to get a bunch of replies yeah. and to start shit. And I'm like, I'm not going to feed into that. I'm cool. I, I have a good day going right now. I'm not going to do it. I've had to learn that level of self-control too. Cause it's yeah. like, you know, when you're talking about your daughter and it's like nature versus nurture, right? I get into this debate with my husband because I'm Sicilian, Portuguese, the temper's there. It it like the trigger. It's it's right there. That's just, why I don't just push I've, I've me a little, this. and I'm in. And I've had yeah. to learn to go. There's been some thumb moving, and I go, Nah, let me not send that shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots of times we're all human. We're yeah. human. We're human. But for me, it's like you got to remember, I am emotionally attached to it. Right. And, That's why I'm and, asking you this, because it's you. Because, well, music, you got to think about this. Music is, you know, I, I heard a beautiful definition. It's it's the it's it's the use of space, melody and silence and, and the rhythm of those together um, that create an emotional response. And they even in that definition used goosebumps as an emotional response and i and i think about that and because of that look at the creator side of it there are going to be many instances where i have written something like like the song widowmaker i can't sing that song because it's about the passing of my father and and i and and i thought i would be able to because it's not a ballad but it doesn't matter it's it's the emotional connection that i have to the the piece of art so when people have that emotional connection to my music it's going to it's gonna pull on their heartstrings too when someone fucking comments about it so if they have the uh if it's in their personality that they can get in there and and defend it i we kind of let them then do that stuff but for me on the creator side I'm emotionally attached to every single one. So it's not where, hey, I like this one, but no, 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 not this one. It's like, no, all of them I'm attached to. So um, knowing that I protect myself by not diving into the comment section outside of flipping through the quick ones where ones will jump out where I see a lot of comment. You know, I see the big comments. I'll go through read because they took time. Right. And. And I feel like um, 
I want to give them that same kind of respect of a response if I have if, if I do have the time. Definitely. Well, that leads into, you know, it goes right back to the Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell thing is that as again, someone that doesn't have that ability to turn my emotions and experiences into a, a tangible piece of art. It shocks me that you could craft a song about something like what you just brought up about your dad and then have to go and play it every night. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. It's not it's never been in the set list because of that. It's so, you know, it and, and all of that amazing art from the songs we love, from the bands we cherish. There's so much in there. And if you're tapping you know, I, into a place and then you got to go do it every night, it's like, how does that I, not drag the trauma back every night? I don't understand. I heard a, I heard a fable, a, a, a Paisley Park fable. Uh, one of our uh, old sound guys worked for Prince for sh- a short stint. And Prince, for some reason, took a liking to him and invited him out to Paisley Park to, uh, to listen to a mix. And... Um, there's a longer story that I'll tell if you want me to tell it, if we have time. Uh, but the short end of that story was he told the story that Prince has a, at the time, had a Corvette, a Target top Corvette. So it was like almost like the, the T-tops. So, yep. you know, and he had an ADAT player, which is one of the high, you know what an ADAT player is. Yeah, but every, um, but everybody might not know. So go ahead. Right. So it's it's a very high level, high quality tape cassette that they're very expensive. It's not like it, the cost of a tape cassette. So um, Prince would sit there and he would he would write music and put it on an ADAT and he would go out to this car parked at at the Paisley Park Lake and he would listen to that ADAT. And if he didn't like it, he would eject it and throw it out of the roof of that the Corvette into the lake. So there are ADAT tapes sitting in the bottom of that lake of Prince music that no one has ever heard. <gasps> tape after tape after tape, piles, piles over years. And it's because he had an emotional attachment to that music and he wasn't willing to let someone else critique it if he wasn't able to finish it or if he wasn't emotionally attached to it enough that it was able to make it out of that car. Wow. That's how brilliant and how that's how much it matters that people don't realize. That's how much our music matters to us. Even, you know, I write fun music. I, I know what my purpose is and, and, and what I love to do. Um, I, I, am, I am a tarot card reader that is dropping nothing but motivational cards in front of you. That's my, that's, that I know is my purpose. That's what I like to do. I like to motivate people. And, and with my music, whether it be in a deeper way like a song like alive and kicking or wait or breathe their songs like ruthless and bullet with a name that are songs that are still whether it's to motivate you to run another fucking mile motivate you to finish this fight motivate you to get to finals it's i know that i wrote down and heard a riff that motivated me in a certain way that 
made me drop a metaphor over top of it that I am hoping is going to wake you up in the fucking morning, get you to get to work or get you to, you know, lose an extra two inches off your waist. You know, wh- whatever I can do, that's 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 what I feel like I do with our our lyrics. You know, and- what's crazy. I ran the Boston Marathon in 2019. And Bullet With A Name was on the playlist that I was listening to when I did it because that song makes me mad. Yeah. And I am not someone that takes, yay, you can do it as motivation. I, to go back to the Sicilian Portuguese thing, you want to motivate me? You make me mad. Yes. I will fucking show you motivation. And my husband met me. I don't know how much you know about the course of the Boston Marathon. But the reason why marathoners hate it is because you get to mile 20 after you've gone through the hills and you climb this hill called Heartbreak Hill. And you, you feel like you've accomplished something because you finally get to the top of Heartbreak Hill. And then you're told you've got 6.2 more miles to go and it breaks your heart. And my husband stood there at mile 20 in the pouring rain because I'm running the fucking marathon in the rain because why wouldn't it be raining when I choose to run it? (laughs) And and I was crying and I was miserable and questioning whether I could do it. And that motherfucker, I wasn't married to him at the time. He just looked at me and he goes, well, I got to go. I'll meet you at the finish. And then he left as I started running and he got on the T, the subway that goes above ground in parts of Boston and went by me on the train and waved out the window. And I was like, but you know what? I probably wouldn't have crossed the finish line without him. But it's so funny that you bring that up because Bullet With A Name is a song that when I hear it, it makes me angry to my core. That's, believe me, I, 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 I write music to invoke emotion and the guys know, we know what our wheelhouse is. And we like to, we like to, we like to groove. That's our, our, yeah. our, our, you know, we like to find that pocket and, and then really make people go, damn, what do you say? Oh shit. That's it made me it. mad, man. I'll tell you. So you, yeah. you for however long is it? Four minutes and two seconds, however long that song yeah. is just know that that part of the marathon that you helped me get there because it pissed me off. So thank you for making me angry for four minutes. You're so <laughs> <laughs> um, now that the world is opening up, right? And we're, we're actually able to start going back and doing the things that we love. Like I've been joking that going to a concert, like the first person to spill a beer down my back, I'm going to hug them. The first person to step on my toes because I miss those guys. I miss the close, the sweat, the terrible smells, like all the things about rock concerts that normally we would bitch about. I even miss that. What yeah. do you what do you miss the most? Uh, I think I miss. You know, I miss seeing the familiar faces. You know, there's there's something about making a city feel like your home over and over and over and over again. You guys so did that with I, Boston I, in the early days of your career, 100%. 
Yeah, seeing seeing those same faces at, in the front row, watching them get old over the years with me, you know. Uh, You're not that's, getting that's, old. And then and then, uh, yeah, no, no, I, I I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Um, and uh, watching them bring their kids out, um, having younger fans come up to us and 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 saying that they're they're getting into us that that all that stuff is 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 really good. Um, we're we're. Uh, I said, we're feeling blessed these days, man. Do you not mind the aging process? I'll tell you why I don't mind it. Because especially as a woman in the entertainment business, it's like you live in fear of getting old, right? Mm. It's because I've gotten to that point in my life where I've lost so many people before I should have that I look at a wrinkle or a gray hair as like a battle scar, like that it's an honor that getting getting old is a gift. And I, and I made that shift from thinking it was a curse. Like I never want to get old to like what an honor it is to get there. Is that how you look at it? I, you know what? It's funny. I had that vain moment, uh, briefly. I, I, in the history of my hair, (laughs) I have, I have colored my hair twice. Uh, don't and worry, second, I colored it for you with mine. <laughs> and then when when I when I went to color it the third time, I literally remember looking in the mirror and go, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> just, just fucking get on with it, would you?" Um, I uh, I'm I'm lucky. I'm 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 Spanish, so I have very uh, I have very good genes. I don't have any real wrinkles yet, so. Um, Aside from the fantastic four sideburn thing going, um, you know, I, I, I still feel like I'm 30. So I'm, I'm good. I'm grave trained. I started uh, dyeing my hair long before. That's the only thing. It's like. It's, I, you, you've, it's, that's part of you, though. That's, right. That's, right. That's, I'm going to yeah. be that 90 year old lady that people are looking at going, she has purple hair. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm just yeah. Dying yeah. it because I want to. I'm I'm at that stage too, where people look at me and I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm I've gotten to the point where I, I I either smile back hard or if they're really really old, I'll blow a kiss, I'll blow a kiss just to really freak them out. <laughs> when they're looking at you, you just go, yeah, <laughs> like whoa, way, oh, they look away real fast. <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of funny, like you know, growing up, like I remember when I dyed my hair purple the first time, like my mom cried. And, and like when I got my first tattoo, like my mom was always that, that mom that was like, what are you going to do when you're 40 and you have purple hair and tattoos? What are you going to do? And I'm like, everyone my age when they're 40 is going to have tattoos, mom. Like it's not going to be that big of a, the old people of our generation are going to be so fucking cool in the nursing homes. Yes. My, my daughter has had her hair uh, colored twice. We colored her hair on the, the sides uh, twice already. We're 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 all going to be different kind of parents, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a good good generation coming. Um, I want to talk to you about working on music and being a creative and channeling what we've all been through in the last fifteen or sixteen months into music now because you know as we're talking about the sad stuff and the emotional stuff that you've poured into songs. There's been this push and pull with all of the bands that 
You don't necessarily want to write about it because everybody dealt with it. And is everybody going to want to relive it over and over again once we're out of it? And then there's the, well, I'm just this vessel that's experiencing things and the music comes out of me however it comes out of me. And then there was the argument of, do we release new music during a pandemic or do we sit on it so we can tour on it? How was that debate for you moving through everything that we've been through? You basically touched on all the all the what ifs. We, you, you, you run all of the scenarios and then you you jump in both feet. There's there's no point in, in, in wondering at that point you're already in motion. So that's basically what we did. We 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 got offered AEW a year and a half before we did it. And they were like, hey guys, we're still gonna do the song. We're like, you know, honestly, if if it's cool, we'd like to circle back a year from now if the event happens again and then maybe try to use the song for there because we wouldn't want to waste it during a pandemic because we feel like nobody's, you know, it'll, it'll come and go. And thank God we waited. Like for real, it's every decision that we made was, was because we, as a team considered everything all at once. How was it going to affect this? How is it going to affect this? How is it going to affect this? Okay. It's affecting four of the five things. We can't fucking do it. Okay. It's only affecting two guys. We got to, we got to make a decision. Let's go. And it's that kind of thing where we, we, it was just us. It was us. So it was easy to make those decisions and it was easy to push back because we were all in a, in a, uh, in a caring kind of one minded, uh, 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 environment we didn't have to worry about uh, other budgets i didn't have to worry about other campaigns i didn't have to worry about dividing my staff amongst other bands i didn't have to worry about i didn't care about other tours i didn't care about you know uh whether or not i you know we have a very ambitious plan for this this ep and the next ep and the following EP. So why are the and EPs? Answer me that question. Because we know we wanted to give, we because we're going to do something for every single song. Gotcha. And then for us to stretch it across 10, by the time we got to number 10, people would have been already sick of it. Gotcha. And we want to give them these five because they're going to be five. Because we didn't write songs to just be fill songs on any of this. Gotcha. And we, we know the kind of, promotion that we're doing and the kind of launch and cycle that we want to have with Ruthless, how to move to that next EP, how it's titled, how it's moving to the next EP and how that one's titled. I couldn't have that conversation with a label because they wouldn't be sure that I would get to EP three. I know I'm doing EP three. There's no fucking question. It's <laughs> happening. I'm going to do it. When is Hell the first one coming out? Uh, we're trickling it. That's, that's the thing we're, uh, we're doing it this way. So that way people stay on ruthless, love ruthless. Yep. And then we're about to, to pivot, but everyone knows what's basically on, uh, on deck. Uh, we did a campaign during the, the pandemic, uh, with our fans that had them choose what cover song we were going to cover next. Uh, when doves cry one, uh, from, 
Prince. What, speaking uh, of Prince, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Prince. Oh, shit, that's weird. Uh, yeah, so uh, they know that that's the B-side on the Ruthless EP 7-inch uh, that we're doing. For the first time ever, we have a 7-inch. And uh, on side one is Ruthless, but on the B-side is is the extended version of the album version of, of Windows Christ. You so. guys have always done great, great jobs with... Um with cover songs and stuff. And, you know, like I said, I talked to, to Chris Daughtry recently and I'm going to ask you this question and I, I don't want to give you too much of a heads up on it because I want your raw answer. But when I asked him this question, he answered in the air tonight. And, and it made me think of you cause you guys did such a great cover of it. And he said, I, I can't imagine what a person has to go through to write lyrics like that to go back to like inspiration and stuff, you know, and we were talking about like the urban myth about, you know, the story yeah. behind the song, you know, all of that stuff, how it went viral yeah. before viral was viral. But yeah. he was like, I can't imagine like what you have to go through to write lyrics like that. But we were talking about this song. And so I'm going to ask you the question I asked him because we were talking about the cover songs and then we'll go back to talking about the EPs. If you could have written any song by any artist of any genre of any time, what song would it be and why? That was one uh, of his answers was in the air tonight. That's why I, it made me think of it. When we were talking about um, songs. If I had, if I could have written any song, any time, yeah, oh, any genre, uh, it doesn't matter the artist. It's, this is a songwriter's question. Uh, one, oh man. Um, you man, you got me. You really got me with this <laughs> it's a, one. It's a, a good question, and I'm never through. gonna not ask this question of songwriters because the answers are always great. Um, there's one in particular that I that I adore, and I'm only gonna say this because it's it's so top of mind right now for some reason. Um, it's called Junkies Lament by James Taylor. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, I really feel like there's a lot to be said about the storytelling um, uh, uh, aspect of songwriting and how, how and even James Taylor as, as, as a songwriter in general, that man was fucking brilliant in, in the sense of being able to take an emotion grab a pen and, and, a, and a pad and, and really lay down some, some, some eye-opening, jarring s lyrics when you really read the story and you find out. Like Fire and Rain, give me a fucking break. That song is, you know, you know, I woke up this, you know, it brings me to tears and I, and I, and I probably won't even be able to get through all the lyrics right now um, with that song. But to know that James Taylor had a group of friends that flew his um, soon-to-be wife out to one of his shows, gathered the money together to fly her out, and she died on a plane, died on that plane. And it was the only woman he claimed to love. And then he wrote, um, I woke up this morning, you know, just yesterday morning, um, they said you were gone. <laughs> Suzanne, the plans they made 
put an end to you. So I woke up this morning and I wrote down this song. I just don't know who to send it to. And it's like that kind of lyric and that kind of emotional connection to, to music is why I wake up. It's the only reason that I do it. It's because I'm able to pour my heart out. Because <laughs> I'm trying not to cry talking about it. Um, because sometimes you don't get to. You know, people don't get to. And I see people struggle with it. They need a voice. And then he's got to sing that song every day. That's the yeah. thing. Like, to go back to what we were talking about. Like, he's got to sing that song every yeah, day. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Junkie's Lament is another one of those songs where he's, he saw someone that was dear to him struggling with heroin addiction. And that song to me is is where you take where he he just took it to another level and 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 was just a straight up poet with with those lyrics so um i would say just that one just because of how connected i am to it see i knew it was going to be a great answer because you're looking at it from a songwriter's perspective which again i don't have so hearing someone that does know break it down and talk about what makes it great is really interesting to hear from an yeah, artist. It's, it's definitely not how much money I could have made off of it um, because that's not even a popular song. Um, I, I, the only reason that I know that song is because when I was 13, I got the eight track from my parents as they bought a new uh, stereo for the living room. Did they and get it that? Was the, it a Hutch one? It, like the big it was, furniture piece? No, no. Oh, it was okay. it was its own kind of like tuner situation that had like a little deck that you could just stick one eight track in and uh, it had a radio on it. So that's what I was looking forward to. And then, but uh, there was still that collection of, of eight tracks that my parents played every Sunday when we were cleaning the house that I was excited of getting my hands on the, you know, the Billy Joel, uh, uh, stranger and, and, uh, you know, all of the Led Zeppelin and all of the journey and all the bad company in Boston and all that shit that I got my hands on finally that I could just play instead of having to go, Hey, can I play this in the living room where they're like, no, well, watch fucking TV. You're not going to play it in the, you know, like that kind of thing where now I got to, get it in my room. And that's where I became, um, that's why I feel like I started to become more of a student of it because, you know, my parents had good fucking taste, you know, they, they had, uh, they had yeah, they did. Uh, earth, wind and fire and Commodores and, and, uh, you know, Anita Baker, and, uh, you know, all that stuff, uh, weather report, a lot of jazz and a lot of Motown and a lot of, uh, R&B and then a ton of classic rock. So it was, it was, I, I had a good upbringing. The pressure is on you from Marley then. Don't screw up her musical taste, dude. 
Oh, she knows every, every single one. She she blows people away. She's like, this is Prince, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, this is Prince. Girl, you good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she's now that you guys are now that you guys are like starting to plot out tour dates and starting to be able to make plans, I have made jokes about this pre-pandemic for years. Is it really a good idea to get a bunch of rock fans and a bunch of rock bands and put them on a boat because you're doing shiprocked? <laughs> Is it really that good of an idea to put that much concentrated? angst anger and and craziness on a ship in the middle of the ocean is it i've been on four that i've seen one and i've seen one fight one one and it was between two band dudes <laughs> to put it in perspective uh and for all those people wondering about ship rocks what if what if what if um i'm i'm gonna put it in into uh 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 it, from from someone who looks the way I look <laughs> and who has tattoos, who has long dreads, um, who gets stares in a normal environment. There is nothing like being able to be on vacation shirtless and not get stared at. So, and, and you know, one of my favorite uh, ship rocks was when we did Grand Stir of K because we basically had the island. The entire island of Grand Stir of K was full with nothing but metalheads. And everybody was chill as fuck. Everybody's white, very pasty, white, I mean, white, <laughs> glowing, glowing, glowy white, like extra glowy. Listen, don't white. hate us because we're Caucasian, man. We can't no, help I it. We're, don't. We're I pale. Don't. But, but, there was quite, there was a, the, 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 the it, it was, it was tattoos and frozen drinks and shots. And it was, it was so cool. Uh, my mother who, who cru took cruises prior, many cruises before that, um, will never take another cruise other than a ship rocked cruise because of the experience. She was like, all the other cruises are so boring. She was like, everybody, it was like a constant party. And it really is. <laughs> it's a, a nonstop fucking party till 2 a.m. And you wake up at 10 and people are still kind of going. And then they crash at one and the, you, you're seeing shows. And it's 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 like it's, Vegas um, on a boat. It sounds like, man, it's it's so cool. It really is. I, I it, it's worth the money. It really is worth the money. Because I, I just always thought like, God, that's kind of crazy. And I Dangerous. know you're, yes, Dangerous. yeah, yes. to like Dangerous. contain all, like it's one thing to be in an arena at a metal show, right? Yeah. And it's like, as a metal fan, like you're in this contained, but then everybody knows like at the end of the show, it just pours out into the streets around the arena. Yeah. Pour, you you got nowhere to pour it because you're in the ocean. You're in the middle of nowhere. So it's just yeah. there. You know, I think, and, and I could be wrong, but I think the price point keeps that, <laughs> keeps that element. Keeps you honest. I don't want to seem like I'm being like, you know, demographically racist, but <laughs> I'm just saying like, in the sense of like age group of, well, of, of no, like, it, you, if you pay for something a lot, 
you're usually yes. able, you usually you motivated to take it. care of it. Yeah. Yes. That's not so a, that's the, not a, <laughs> the price point keeps the, uh, the, the ones that would normally jump over the rail into shark infested waters the 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 price point keeps those guys going nah man i'd rather spend it on weed (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) maybe 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 someday you'll catch me on the boat man i i saw the lineup and was like fuck that sounds like a good show you gotta you if, if you can talk to them talk to them see if uh talk to your people see if you can get out there even a couple other you know stations and people get out there you should uh you know maybe even see if you can room up man this party it's a good time i bet it's it good, is it's a good fucking time it's a good time you get some sun and you know you scare a bunch of mexican people because they're like holy shit look at all these people coming off this boat this is not what we're used to holy lord but they love us they love, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about the Mexican people and how they adore the ship rocked uh, disembarkment because <laughs> it is like, it is, can I tell you the best story ever, 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 ever of, of you'll ever hear about Chad Gray on ship rock. Oh my God. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So we're on, we just get off. Okay, and if you know anything about um, ship rocks or, or getting off on, on and, you know, the, when you get off on cruises, they kind of get right to it. And they're like, hey, would you like to buy? Would you like to buy? Would you like to buy? And there's normally, you know, booths set up, a bunch of people selling a bunch of touristy shit. So, you know, <laughs> you have to take that walk through all of that to get to really where you want to hang, where the bars and the food and the music and everything and the pools and everything are, right? Okay, so we we get off and, you know, you try to be nice. You know, you're like, oh, no, 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 thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thanks. No, thanks. Oh, I appreciate it. No, thanks. I'm not a fan. I really don't like it. So me and my wife are behind Chad and and uh the person that was walking with him and they're walking and i'm watching i'm watching this happen in front what of me. was he hold I'm on watching. which chad are you talking about what did he look chad like Gray. no 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 i i know but but which look of his what what did he look like at this at this, this moment this was this was uh this was he had a hat on he had a hat on his hat was on backwards um but this was uh this was hell yeah Okay. This was hell yeah. So, but it was before the red, the red. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was before, prior to that. So um, I'm watching Chad and he started off real good, man. He was like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. No, 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 I'm good. No. And he walks a little further. Somebody else would, no, I'm good. No, 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 no. And he just starts screaming <laughs> and, and, and every Every booth, every person working a booth just backed off. And it was like she partied the Red Sea. And me and my wife just like calmly walked behind him with no problems of anyone bugging us. He literally knowed them into their booths. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. So big ups to Chad. Wait up, wait up. Chad is the metal Moses. I'm gonna start calling him the the metal Metal Moses. Moses. Yes, he could part the sea with his voice. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I remember back in the early days down in those clubs in Boston that you guys used to play at, 
behind Fenway on Lansdowne Street. Um, yeah. I remember standing there with the head of security the first time that Kid Rock played there for us. Way like the like 98, 99 era Kid Rock when he was in the RV before he, you know, when he was calling himself the pimp of the nation before he actually had the money to back it up. Yes. And I remember standing there with a the security guard because they were loading in like earlier in the day. And he gets off in the wife beater with the fedora and goes inside, comes out of the RV, goes inside. And then I believe it's his brother with one leg gets mm -hmm. out of the RV and goes in. And then Josie came out of the RV and went inside. And then Krause with his bright orange hair comes out of the RV and goes inside. And then Stephanie, the drummer, gets off the RV and goes inside. And like it, it was this parade of what? clown car RV. Seriously, I will never forget. And this is how I'm imagining the people trying to sell Chad great trinkets getting off a cruise ship. I just remember looking at the head of security at the club and he just looks at me and he goes, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I will Molly never Crew. in my yes, life is... forget the reaction because it literally looked like Jim Rose's circus disembarking the RV and going inside. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, we, that's what we do in Mexico on Shiprock. That is basically what we do. We, uh, we shock, shock value, shock and awe. At least you speak the language though. Yes, I do. I, I, if you drop me in the middle of Mexico, uh, you know, with nothing but a, 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 a pair of boxers, I would probably find you a week later in a suit with a <laughs> senorita on each arm and a frozen <laughs> drink. <laughs> I was, got the gift of gab. It was so, I can't tell you how good it was to catch up with you today. It was so good to see you. I can't it, tell you how this. grateful I am that you that you did this with me. We really have to do this again. I would love it. You can come back anytime. I Yeah, yeah. I have so many amazing, you know, that era of rock music, of me starting on the air, you know, my I started my on-air career in in like April of 98. And that whole I refer to it now as like the sausage fest era of metal cuz it really got to the point where it was just you know, insane, but I, I still love like that whole era of music. And I just remember the crazy times, like the Oz yeah. fests, the backstage parties when none of us knew what the hell we were doing. And none of us knew if it was going to last like that yeah. first record, my, my first year on the air, like it was, it was just like, well, we're just going to enjoy the shit out of this. Cause none of us know if tomorrow they're just going to fire us all and get rid of us. And and we those had, years, we had a good time. Yeah, we, we had a really good time. That I I keep I keep reminding people when they ask me, um, you know, what do you think is 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 you know uh, the future of music? And I always say we have to look at why things were so successful, even in the new metal genre. It's because at a certain point, people just wanted to have a good time and wanted to listen to good music. And that was it. And there was no, and, and nobody was not too cool 
or could it try something different? I mean, think about it. The guys in fucking Slipknot came out of that era. And they are down. They are the biggest thing in the world right now. You know, it's like that to 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 we have to look back and and start realizing that there was something in that formula that worked. And what it was is that people wanted to have a good time. So let's have a good time again and then we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, those those years are. I look back at them with such fondness about, yeah. <laughs> you know, we were really on a roller coaster in the dark, yeah. backwards, strapped in, no idea when it's going to stop, no idea where it was going. It was just like, fuck it, let's just go. This is just fun. Yeah, yeah. But there's a way, to, we, right now, there's a way to make it fun. But we, if, if anything, and, and I keep trying to get this message out, we as an industry have to really start reaching out and helping each other and getting a lot more of our community, the side of the community that people don't see. We have to start showing people this side a lot more. Because I talk about it all the time in the podcast that the rock community is an example of tolerance, inclusion, representation right now, yeah. especially the way that female fronted rock bands are coming out. And like, yeah. like if you just love rock music and you want to argue about guitar riffs, I don't give a fuck what you look like, what color you are, who you love. Like, I just don't care. Let's just talk about yeah. music and just go to shows and be crammed in a smelly club together again. Yes. Sitting at the top of our lungs together. Get back into music discovery. That's what we have to start doing. Get back into music discovery. Start remembering those days where you used to wait for that song to hit the radio or you were counting down to see it launch or premiere. We all have to get back to that like daily dose of, of, of music. Well, if cassettes can come back, anything's possible. Can you believe this? Yeah. yeah, just can you not talk over my favorite song right before, you know, I know you're trying to hit the post and everything, but I don't like it when you're talking over my favorite riff and then all of a sudden I hear right here on blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to record my favorite song that. off the radio. Shut up, stupid DJs. You remember you used to float over the record oh, button? Oh, yeah. Like, I know it's going to be number seven. Oh shit, it's number six. Oh great. Oh, That's or great. you or you be- hit record and you paused it so that you could just quick the unpause on the cassette recorder. Like that's or, when you knew you were fucking into it. Exactly. Or you accidentally did the uh button pressing of death and hit the play and rewind at the same time. Oh where they went like this and just ate themselves into your thing. I've been joking with all of these new bands that are going retro and, and are printing new cassettes. And I'm like, the band, and nobody's done it. Somebody's going to steal this idea from me. The band that releases their record on cassette with a corresponding band logoed pencil to fix the cassette emergencies. That's marketing right there, man, because the younger generations don't know the pain of needing a pencil to fix a cassette problem, but they're going to figure it out soon enough. My lips are sealed. Oh, you're going to steal that from me, aren't you, you fucker? Yeah, I'm going to hang on, hang on for a second. Hang on for a second. I need glasses so I can just go. You forgot. The men in black me over here with the yeah, little yeah, wand. Just... <laughs> <laughs> 
It was so good to see you. I can't wait till I can come and see you play. I don't know if it's going to be on the cruise ship or not, but I, I can't wait to be able to come and see you. And I'm so happy that you and I have both found this way of navigating and reinventing and coming out of this crazy time and, and done something on our own. At yeah, the same I'm, time, though, I still miss that fucking psychotic radio station that I was attached to for so many no, years. No, no, like, but I, you know, I got to say this: your listeners have to—they um, should know that, especially if you're a new listener right now listening, that it's these kind of interviews that that musicians and artists and creators wait for, because the questions that people like yourself ask that matter that much that you you really think about it and you really care about what we have to say is what listeners really care about and you know nobody gives a shit about my influences or you know or how i thought of the name not way it's like it's so amazing to get a a a, a real body of work that people can love and enjoy like they enjoy my music so you know uh, i i I love having these interactions we got to do it again yeah we'll do it anytime dude we'll do it anytime but next time like i want to i want to be able to hug you i definitely we're doing a a round uh in september it looks and we're going to boston so you're definitely getting the call i better damn it i better (laughs) you know you will two tickets you and hobby you gotta come well he's overseas right now he's in the military and he's deployed so he's not going to be here but but maybe you get a card cut out of him and then we'll have him right next so that way you take pictures (laughs) selfies with the band he'd be like wow you really are fucking crazy yeah dude i I married a country music fan hey chris stapleton's my jam don't don't get me started on chris yeah but but he doesn't know anything about rock music. Like it's like you've got Marley to teach. I'm teaching a full blown adult. He's got so much shit to learn, man. I don't know how he made it this long. You can't teach a new dog, old dog tricks on a new old dog. I took him a few years <laughs> back. Um, Metallica played at Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. And it, it's one of the best WAF memories I have because it was our show. Sold out Metallica in a football stadium. And not only did I get to interview James Hetfield in the room where Belichick did all of his press conferences, right? Yeah. Wow. So first of all, it's James Hetfield, obviously. Second of all, I'm backstage in a temple for a Patriots fan. And then I got to go out on the stage and introduce Metallica. Wow. And... My then boyfriend went with me and he goes, you're going out there? And I was like, yeah, I got to go introduce Metallica. And he was like, there's a lot of fucking people out there. I was like, I know I got to, this is like, this is what I do. And he was like, this is a job. and then at one point we're watching the show. I don't know. We were maybe like five rows up from the, the bowl of the, of the stadium. And we're at that point in the middle of the, the show and everyone's just chanting die over and over again in a Metallica show. And he looks at me and he goes, are we okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we're oh. good. Just put your fist in the air and yell die and you'll be fine. Because he had I, never I, experienced anything like that before. And it was so funny. I was like, we did that. 
we, we did that to a New York Yankee. You guys will be happy to know that we scared Derek Jeter out of the venue. That he he thought it was there were he thought there was gonna be a riot. It was us <laughs> and seven dust, and we were playing, and he was side stage, and he was like, I gotta get out of here. If something goes wrong, I this is not good. The hell is he worried about? He had Morgan there, who's like the biggest Yankees yeah. fan on the planet. Derek Jeter left. Yeah, yeah jo- Johnny Damon gave him so much shit. It was hilarious. <laughs> Gave him so much shit. Like, are you seriously leaving? All right, see you later, man. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah, and then Damon goes and joins the Yankees himself. Like, leaves yeah. us, breaks hearts here in Boston. Like, Yeah, I, 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 I'm bringing up bad names right now. No, sorry. It's, the it's, the it's, interview just went off. No, off it's, the it's fine. <laughs> Look, he helped break the curse, man. He's a god in, this, in, in Boston until the day he dies because of that. It doesn't matter where he left after. They just made him get a haircut, and we all laughed. <laughs> that's right that's right i could talk to you for hours but i'm gonna let you go you got all right shit to do you're ceoing and stuff yeah much love yeah <laughs> it's good, to, good to see you as always it's good to see you too i'll talk to you soon definitely there he is elias soriano from Nonpoint. i just love him and i cannot wait to see him live if you liked what you heard don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the Situation Report, which is all of your rock news and music headlines in less than five minutes. And in the show notes of this podcast, there's all the links so you can find Elias on his social media handles, and you can find Nonpoint as well. There's also a corresponding playlist for this episode, as there is for every full-length episode. So all the music we talked about, I put it in a playlist so you can check it all out, including the new Nonpoint music. Huge thanks to our sponsors, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org. Now through June, DCU will cover up to $3,000 in closing costs when you refinance your mortgage. And also to Jumptown Skydiving at jumptown.com offering service industry discounts for tandem skydives on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. You can join me every Tuesday night at 8.30, live on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with VentureX. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store or online for details.